The story so far. Reality breaks. Inside each cell, you see a pod, and you can just make out that there are prone figures inside these pods. These are the four people you're here to rescue. We need to get them to safety as a priority. Yeah. And we'll stay here, we'll fight the baddies, take the ship back. We've done quite well here, but mainly due to our identification <laughs> mark, so just write Chris on all of their names, because that'll be so much easier. Okay. I also find in a drawer um, some mints, and I put a little chocolate mint inside each capsule, so that when they wake up, they have a nice little hotel-style snack. And you can see a, a faint glow from below as the jets light up and the pods are away. Life's a game, the world's a state. And we're all merely players. Players, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt, I'm your host for this season. Uh, in the act break, we have had a change of cast, uh, owing to <laughs> incidents backstage. Uh, so instead of uh, the characters that we've been with uh, so far for this season, I am joined now by Chris Buxy. Hello. Uh, who will be, who for disambiguation purposes, we will be referring to this season as Chris. Uh, Chris, what what might people remember you from in Merely Role Players, and what's your association with Blackshaw Theatre? Well, you may remember me from uh, the heist season, Let's Get Gideon, and uh, my association with Blackshaw is that uh, sometimes I'm a playwright, and Blackshaw have produced one of my plays. That was The Final Adventure of Frankie Fightwell, which I believe you can still listen to in the Blackshaw Arts Hour podcast feed. And I encourage you to do so. Uh, I'm also joined by another Chris, hence the disambiguation, Christopher Starkey, who Hello. we will be referring to today as Starkey. Indeed, thank you all. Starkey, remind the audience, uh, what might they remember you from and what's your association with the company? I've been in quite a few seasons, I've been shipwrecked, I've been manning a ship as well, I've been an old man a couple of them, and myself in one, so <laughs> a few men. And I, uh, Blackshaw, been around for ages, uh, helped out backstage, performed a couple of times, and general supporter. Huzzah! <laughs> Cheerleader. Yes, indeed. Give my pom-poms out. <laughs> uh, and well, it's never a sign. Never want to see. Please put your pom-poms away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm also joined around the table by Vicky. Hello! Hello, welcome back. Uh, remind the audience uh, where might they have heard you before and what's your association with the company? Um, I appeared in uh, several seasons, but uh, the first season, Ariadne, uh, Five Stage of Rescue as well. You might remember me as uh, Agent Anvil from uh, Codename Mosaic and also as a face mel melting tempest in uh, Parallax uh, Trilogy Parts 2 and 3. Um, so yeah, I've been in a few. Uh, my association with the company is um, I've been working with Elliot Blackshaw since the very, very first days of Blackshaw's life, partly as a producer and partly as a kind of um, supporter and uh, project manager around um, working with playwrights to help them develop their scripts. Nice. Great. So this is going to be our cast for the next few story acts. Mm. Ooh, picking, yeah. picking up the torch. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't let me anywhere near a torch. That's dangerous. <laughs> I've got a torch. No, I should never hold a torch because I may knock someone out with it. You cannot touch my torch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, expect more callbacks. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Right. Is everybody ready to play? I think so, Matt. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You remember screams of confusion <laughs> and a sound, a sound like titanic stitches ripping as time tore apart around you. You remember as everything fell into confusion, being beamed aboard Errol's vessel, the Air Errol. Oh, God. You remember a hasty and confusing explanation of the situation and why you have been chosen for this. You remember Errol finishing his explanation, skydiving, strapping on a jetpack from low Earth orbit to go collect more of your friends. And once he was gone, you remember the deck of the ship, the shiny sci-fi deck, rippling, fraying, reweaving into a rusty iron grill as a sinister, half-familiar voice began speaking from the screens as a whirling geometric pattern took them over. You remember grey vapour leaking from the vents. You remember a strange scent. And then you remember only darkness. Oh. That doesn't sound good. Hmm. Who's the first to wake up? Vicky is. I'm the, yeah, I'm the first to wake up. <laughs> Vicky, the top of the stasis pod that you're in, this coffin-shaped pod, pops open, jet-propelled, uh, and you find yourself lying in this uh, kind of coffin-shaped pod. On your chest, there is a little chocolate. A bit like you might find on like a hotel pillow. That is what I was expecting you to say. Yeah, that kind of that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And above you, you can see a patchwork sky. Parts of it are night. You see stars. Parts of it, you see uh, clouds and streaked with lightning. Uh, parts of it, you see uh, full of smoke and red flame. Parts of it, you see a clear blue. What do you do? Eat the chocolate. <laughs> sure. Is, is it mint chocolate? It is. Oh, I don't want that. No, I'm going to eat that and spit that right out. Save it yeah. for me. I really like it. Oh, no, there's a million mouth that I want. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take an eager bite of it and then go, oh, the head. Um, am I wearing clothes? You are. Oh, thank goodness. So I'm going to get out of my pod. You get up. You sit up out of the pod. Yeah. Uh, you can see uh, just a couple of feet away, you can see a, another identical pod still closed. Mm-hmm. A few feet away from that, you see a uh, metal mesh fence. And through that mesh on the other side, you can see two more identical pods. Okay. The fence is about 10 feet tall Mm -hmm. and has barbed wire on top. Okay. In one direction, if you turn your head to the left, you can see a great rip in the sky, slightly reminiscent of a gap in a pair of curtains that have just been pulled apart at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And through that gap, through that rip, you can see an impressive, and the word that comes to your mind is holy-looking edifice. What what do you think that that looks like to you? Maybe like the... Like a sort of... um, Like a giant kind of... Like a cathedral, but maybe much like sort of smoother and more futuristic, mm-hmm. but with kind of like something that looks like kind of clouds or smoke slightly shrouding it. 
Yeah, so you see that between these parted curtains Mm -hmm. in the sky, uh, and that is uh, just a few hundred metres away from you. As you turn your head to the right, you see a vista stretching away in front of you, and it it looks like an endless number of scraps of torn, ragged-edged fabric floating in a shining white void. And some, many of them are just joined to each other just by the th- kind of thinnest threads. And you see some of them are some of them are green. Some of them look like desert. Some of them have buildings on them. Some don't. Uh, you can you think you can see in some of the closer ones people moving around. Uh, every single one is it's a it's a patchwork, and it seems to be sort of pulling further apart in front of your eyes. The white is taking up more space. Uh, more and more space as the scraps drift apart. Okay. Whose pod opens next? I'll go next. Starkey, are you in the pod next to Vicky on her side of the fence, or are you in one of the other ones on the other side of the fence? Can I roll a dice to find out? Yeah, sure. Do you want to do just a 50 one to 50? three? One to three, I'm with Vic. Yeah. Four to six on the other side. Yes. As a two. Uh, Vicky, the pod next to you, <laughs> the lid flies off. Uh, and in it you see Starkey. <laughs> there is a little mint chocolate on his chest. Okay. And you can see that on his forehead, in what looks like Sharpie, is written the word Chris. Okay. Do I... Do we, do we, know, we know each other in this yes. context, right? Because you, we know each other in real life. So you actually... Memory is strange for you, mm-hmm. and you feel kind of tickling at the edges of your consciousness. You feel memories of many lives you've lived. Yeah. And you know that all of them are, were real, all of them are you, and you know that you could you could reach out and make any of them solid right. at any moment. Okay. So, some some feel sort of closer and easier to reach than others, but there are... There are yeah. dozens. So I'm going to go and try and wake him up. Chris, Chris, <laughs> oh, Chris. Oh, chocolate. Oh, yeah. hi, Vicky. How are you? Mm. Yeah. Um, does it say Vicky on my head? On Vicky's forehead, in what looks like Sharpie, <laughs> is written the word Chris. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, nope. What does it say on my head? It says Chris. Why does it say Chris on my head? It says Chris on my head. I think, um, just, hang on. I'll try and like, rub it off her forehead with my thumb. It's in sh- permanent sharpie. Oh, it's not coming off. Hey. Have I got that on my? You have Chris written on your head. At least yeah. I'm called Chris. Yeah, I yeah, I guess. Uh, but um, yeah. Well, this is interesting. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, uh, did we eat chocolate? Just let you know, it's mint chocolate. I love mint chocolate. Oh, man, no, I should have saved mine for you. You should have done. I know. Disgusting. Mm. Okay. You hear the lids of the two pods on the other side of the fence both pop off at once. Uh, Chris, you wake up. There is a small mint chocolate on your chest. Oh, typical. I'm on a diet. <laughs> Just th- yeah. out. I'll have a crisp. Okay. I'll throw it over the fence to Starkey. <laughs> oh, well, this is a weird situation. Uh, yeah. And what's he got written on his forehead? <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Chris's forehead, in what looks like Sharpie, is written the word Chris. Oh, man. Uh, which way round is it written? Is it going to be backwards or the right way when I look in a mirror? Ooh, yeah, you, is it reading it right for us? You, yes, so, you yeah. can read 
read it right on each other. Yeah. So it'll be backwards in the mirror. Oh, that's really going to annoy me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look, same. Yeah. In the other pod next to you, Chris, on your side mm-hmm. of the fence, you remember that you were beamed up with another Chris. Ah. Uh, Errol said that he had, based on his research into uh, the various iterations of this world, he had learned that if you want to save the world, you need a number of Chris's. God damn I've it, Errol. I've often thought it, yeah. <laughs> and so he recruited the Chris's first. Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you remember there was another Chris in that pod, or, or there was another Chris with you before everything went dark. Um, and you have, again, these sort of uh, echoes of memories uh, hovering around in the back of your mind, and you remember him from some of those. You remember having... Uh, adventures and uh, missions with him but the pod is now empty Ah. and built into sort of the the side of the pod the short side uh, nearest where the head would have been if there was a person in there there was a little you know like um, the old Dreamcast controllers had that little Tamagotchi (laughs) bit there's a little cradle with a little device in there and you can see on the screen in, in digital letters you can see the word Chris. Ah. And then it flickers and seems to say Candice, and then goes back to Chris, and then Candice, and it is removable from the pod. Great, then I will uh, reach down and carefully remove it. Okay. You can see that it has uh, a little line of uh, gold contacts at the bottom, so it looks like it could plug into other sorts of things. Excellent. Does anyone have a Dreamcast? <laughs> uh, not, no. not on me at this moment in time. How far does this barbed wire fence stretch? It stretches as far as the eye can see, but it does bend. And you can see uh, that you, Vicky and Starkey, appear to be inside this kind of fenced perimeter. And as you look around and take in more of your surroundings, you can see that you are in a kind of a patch of kind of waste ground, just like scrubby earth in between this fence and what looks like a kind of prefab series of buildings. Single story, rectangular kinds of the sort of thing that might be airdropped in or very, very quickly put up. Mm-hmm. And actually coming towards you from that building are two human looking figures uh, dressed in blue jumpsuits Uh-oh. with full reflective oh, no. faceplate helmets. Ooh. Um, right. So are we on the same side of the fence as them? Chris and your your new uh, Tamagotchi <laughs> partner, you are on the other side of the fence ah. to Starkey and Vicky. Okay. On your side of the fence, as you look around, you can see that the scrubby grassland extends for a little bit, and then it turns into a, a rocky terrain. And part of that rock has been worked and carved and turned into a kind of a Colosseum amphitheatre kind of deal. And this definitely rings a bell for Vicky and Starkey, mm-hmm. what you can see of it through the fence. Okay. Uh, yeah. It looks like a, a theatre yeah. that you uh, want, that you remember from another mm-hmm. life. Okay. Yeah. Mm. That's weird. These two guys are weird. Everything about this is weird. I'm yeah. pretty freaked out right now. Uh, do you see that big gap in the sort of sky as well? Yeah. Sort of like a cathedral smoky thing? It's very weird. Yeah. Starkey, yeah. what do you see through the gap? Oh, I you don't see... see an, I... an impressive, and the word that comes to your mind is holy-looking edifice, but you don't see the same thing Vicky saw. Oh, fine. I think I would just see streaming white, like warm white light 
and little sparkles mm. sort of coming out of it. Yeah, like the sort of typical hand of God reaching through the clouds sort <laughs> of thing. Yeah, that sort of like aperture in the in space and time. Yeah, it's almost like your your mind can't quite comprehend what, it, what it's seeing, and so it's just this kind of sparkling white. And I think I hear nothing. sort of like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like about, is it, no, the right quite, every time I look there. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> For the audience, there I looked there and I looked away. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked away. The music stopped. <laughs> uh, and Chris, while we're at it, what do you mm. see through the rift? Well, I think I see a large brutalist concrete structure, drab concrete, something designed to crush the human spirit yeah. for all eternity. Ah, oh, the National Theatre. Yeah. <laughs> or a car park. <laughs> that doesn't look inviting. Yeah. Well, at this point, which side of the fence is best to be on? Shall I come and join you guys, or are you coming over here? I feel like if we've got these people on our side and we're feeling... Like maybe we could go over there. Are, are they are they walking towards us threateningly? Are they like like hands out, calming a scared animal, or are they sort of like marching towards they, us to collect us? Walking towards you with purpose. They aren't making any threatening moves yet. They don't necessarily mean us harm. Should we see what these people want first, and then it, we need to make a dash for it? How, how about we do a bit, a bit of a bit of a bit of column A, bit of column B? Oh, I love a little bit of column A, bit of column <laughs> A. Um, right now, a previous life of mine had a tool belt. Have I got that tool belt with me or have I got to load this guy up? You'd have to load him up. Right, I'm going to bring back Starkey from Five Stage of Rescue. Okay. What is it about the situation that you're in that you grasp onto to try to remember that version of your life? Uh, Well, the theatre in the background obviously Mm -hmm. rings a bell. Um, I also want to have a set of tools on me because I think one of us should be sort of cutting, getting wire cutters out to cut the wire fence. And I remember having those on my tool belt uh, from the Ferris Theatre. Okay. Okay. Uh, What is your uh, plus or minus, your your affinity? I have plus two to this Starkey. All right. Roll your two six-sided dice and add two. Come on, Lady Luck. Oh, eight. uh, No, seven. Seven. Okay. You feel that version of yourself settle into your mind. Uh. You remember everything very clearly from that version of your life. What would be inconvenient to come through as well. <laughs> I was going to say Dave. But... <laughs> Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it would be inconvenient. Um, uh, probably a... Maybe myself at the end of that, uh-huh. where I am knackered and exhausted. Oh, okay, that's oh, interesting. So yeah. where I've just crashed through a windscreen. Oh my gosh, I'm yes. covered in small cups and I'm exhausted from <laughs> struggling against the odds. You had a bad time. I had a, I had a pretty bad I time. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah I like that. Um, so, Vicky and Chris, you see a faraway look come over Starkey's eyes as he gazes at the theatre on the other side of the fence. And you see around him reality begin to fray and you see his clothes change, his hair changes uh, a tool belt forms around his waist. Little baggy with a costume in it. (laughs) (laughs) And when the effect finishes, yes, you see many small cuts. Some of them even have slight, like, tiny little bits of glass still stuck in them from his crash through the windscreen in that story. Don't worry, Vicky. Yeah. Humble, noble leaders here. <laughs> Mr. Christopher P. Starkey. Good to see you, Starkey. Uh, so you're going to go and bust the fence open. Yeah. I think I'm going to do the column A mm-hmm. and create a diversion by calling on my 
character and Aidan Anvil from Codename Mosaic. Okay, what is it about this situation that reminds you of that life? Um, so I think the way that our potential aggressors are dressed is much like the kind of henchmen that we were facing. In, I faced it down in, in Codename Mosaic. They do look like classic yeah. henchmen. Yeah. Great. Okay, what's your affinity with that? Uh, plus one. Okay, roll your two six-sided dice. Plus that plus one. Dice. Six, seven. Seven, also seven. Okay. You feel Agent Anvil settle clearly into your mind. You remember Mm -hmm. every professional skill that you had. Hand Uh, hand combat's going to come in handy, guys. In that that spy career. Yeah. That long life as a spy. What inconvenience follows through from that life? Let's say it's the... um, Henchman whose name I now can't remember, or rather henchwoman I think it was in Codename Mosaic. Yeah, so that who was, was like my nemesis. Uh, fl- codename Flycatcher. Oh, Flycatcher, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Real name Nika Volkov. Yes, oh, she was a nightmare. She, in fact, so uh, again, Starkey and Chris, you see reality fray around Vicky, her laser focus on these two blue-clad folks. And uh, what what do you look like now that you're a spy? Um, so I think my outfit for that was the kind of like black multi-pocketed mm-hmm. kind of like cargo trousers belt and the black kind of tank top. Yeah, you're in uh, full tactical. Yeah, full tactical, like the band with the knife in it and the boots with the <laughs> like brutal kicking power, all yeah. of that kind of stuff. And you see that that effect around her, that frayed reality effect, she, it seems like she loses control of a portion of it. And a seam opens up from her all the way through the fence to your side of the fence, Chris. And actually behind you, now Uh coming from the Colosseum, from the Ferris Theatre, you see a figure, a bulky female figure in a gas mask in Kevlar, heavily armed. You can see sidearms strapped to the legs. You can see a shotgun strapped to the back. Uh, that figure is now marching towards you, Chris. By this point, those two blue-clad mm-hmm. henchmen, they're speeding up, uh, having seen uh, Starkey and Vicky warping reality around them. They seem to react to that, and they're moving towards you faster. Okay. And you can see they extend closed fists Uh-oh. towards you. Uh-oh. And you can see that around their wrists are sort of bulky cuffs around which you can see like a red LED spiralling around and around the wrist. They point those at you and you hear them uh, through the sort of the vocoders in their faceplates. Stand down! Stand down! Welcome, one and all. You're listening to Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, your compare for this production of Deja Vu, Act 5. While the players hold this tableau, let's take a look at the programme. The isolation sessions continue over on Nat's Ragged Scratch podcast, and there's a piece by me on one of the recent episodes. It's called The Meaning of Low Extremes, and it's a companion to the monologue I had accepted in Season 1 of the Ragged Scratch podcast. You can find that one in an episode called Settling Your Benevolence. Try listening to that episode, and then going straight into The Meaning of Low Extremes, and see what you get out of it. Besides the isolation sessions, another good thing to come out of this lockdown is that I've had time to zhuzh up our website at merelyroleplayers.com. 
it should be a lot easier now to find out what we're all about, subscribe, browse the different productions we've done, and listen to episodes. If you ever find yourself recommending us to someone, merelyrollplayers.com is the link to give them now. Speaking of recommendations and of good things to do during lockdown, Podchaser, the IMDB of podcasts, is donating 25 cents to American Meals on Wheels for every review left on the site until this Thursday, the 30th of April. So if you head to podchaser.com slash roleplayers right now and leave a review, you'll be helping vulnerable, socially distanced people get access to food and helping other people find us as well. It does have to be a review, not just a star rating, but it doesn't have to be super long and in-depth. You could do a no-context description of a moment that made you laugh, or write a thing that you'd say to convince a specific person you know to try us out, or put five emoji that you think summers up. And then while you're there, you can make Podchaser donate even more money by going and reviewing the Ragged Scratch podcast and the Blackshot Arts Hour and the Space Jam Continuum too. If you don't know what the Space Jam Continuum is, I'll let the hosts explain while I go call beginners for the next scene. Take your seats, please. It's curtain back up in one minute. In a world that appears to make no linear sense, there's a time-travelling rabbit with an important agenda. What is it? No one knows, but it has something to do with basketball. Welcome to a reality where a famous pig actor turned despotic leader rules with an iron fist, and a psychopathic duck may be our only hope for salvation. Welcome to the Tooniverse. The Space Jam Continuum is a show where two brave souls attempt to create a cohesive cinematic universe out of something that was never meant to be one. Looney Tunes, from 1937 all the way to Space Jam. Why? Because in an era where all people want is a cinematic universe and reboots of old cartoons, we're the only ones with a resolve to combine the two. So join us every Wednesday as we explore the depths of the Tooniverse, slowly clawing our way ever closer to the 1996 classic. That's the Space Jam Continuum, every Wednesday at kaiju.fm or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and we advise you start at the beginning. It's a good idea. Um, I'm going to dive behind a pod and see if I've still got my smoke grenade that I have with me when I'm <laughs> nice. anvil. You definitely have a, still have a smoke yes. grenade. What would you like to do with it? I would like to hurl it in their direction so that they can't see us, to obscure us, while Starkey go, hopefully <laughs> goes for the barbed wire. Okay, while Starkey's cutting through the wire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think this is blunt because you're not actually attacking them. No, to hurt no, no, no. Is, it, is this a, maybe this is a subtle thing. I think it is create... a subtle, which I do have a minus one for, so that's going <laughs> to come down. Oh. It's real, real... Real helpful. Okay, Vicky, roll subtle. Let's see what happens here. Oh, oh. a whole four. <laughs> this is going so well. <laughs> you, you manage to get behind the yeah. pod, but they see you reaching for something uh, in one of your many tactical pockets. And before you can even get it out and get the pin out, a small red pulse shoots off one of their wrists and hits you in the chest and knocks you back, oh, knocks God. you flat on your back, and you're, and you're winded. Okay. Starkey, are you still going to try and... Oh, God, fence? no, I see this, and I, I go, right, we've got to bring out the big guns. <laughs> and I, um, I go, right, I see you, little... <clears throat> oh, 
Let me know you better, man. <laughs> and I call forth the mystic Starkey. Okay. And we're going to bring it. We're going to bring him out. So this is a minus one on okay. this. Oh God! I believe in you. I just rolled a five. We, Come on. We don't want the bad moon. No, we don't want the, the slow Loris turning up. <laughs> oh, that's a nine. That's a nine. Okay. That could have been really good. <laughs> it's a Stupid nine. You lose that strong grip on the other persona of yourself on the the five stage rescue yeah. persona as the forceful pers- personality <laughs> of mystic star key settles into your mind those skills are at your fingertips now oh, right oh boy i go uh, 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 oh, sorry. something inconvenient oh, yeah. comes oh, yeah. through what would be an inconvenient <laughs> thing to happen there are so, so many, many. <laughs> <laughs> so many of them um, through the rift that i thought was holy mm. it turns a blue color for me and a small shard just starts to fly across the landscape, like one of those little dart ships that we uh, fought yeah. against at the very beginning. That's interesting, yeah. From um, from Sims reality. Yes. Yes. I mean, good news, the henchmen are distracted by that. Yeah. They weren't expecting that, and it banks out of that rift, curves in the direction of the group of you, and uh, starts to strafe the ground. Oh, Little tiny shards of uh, crystal and light chewing up the wasteland. Yeah. I think it actually cuts a hole through the fence. Nice. There is now a gap through the fence, but you are all under fire yeah. now. One of the henchmen yells, Stand down! You're, stop doing that! You're distorting things! You're putting us all in danger! Well, young man, I think you attacking my friend might have done that. <laughs> and I, I sort of, I sort of look at him sternly, sort of like Paddington style. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, and basically, I put my hand out, and their brains start to go fuzzy, <laughs> and they convulse on the floor. Psychic grenade. So I'm going to lob a psychic grenade. At <laughs> so them. good. All right, can you roll volatile, please? I can very much do that. That's one of my key skills. <laughs> yeah. As this horrible old man. <laughs> Oh, that is a nine. He gets a shot on you, but your stun grenade does work. I also have a shield. Grenade. Sure. So, <laughs> so the shield... Well, uh, there has to be some sort of consequence for the for the mixed success. So I think you're not quite fast enough in sure. old man Starkey form to sure. uh, to get the shield up. Yeah. So you're winged as another, pew, another little red blob Ooh. of pulse hits you in the shoulder and spins you slightly. Uh, but you're not quite knocked off your feet. And you do manage to get that psychic grenade off. Uh, what does that look like as that detonates between the two of them? Uh, basically, uh, this sort of globule of force just sort of appears to uh, come between them, and then they basically just collapse to the ground, <laughs> twitching. Really, nothing, they don't sort of make it. There's nothing particularly exciting. They just collapse yeah. to the ground, twitching and slathering and all that sort of thing. Chris, hi. Uh, there is a spy lieutenant in a gas mask uh, marching towards you and now you can see as all of this chaos is happening on the other side of the fence as this strange ship comes through and carves a gap through the fence a few meters away uh, you can see that also emerging from the uh, theater uh, from kind of the underground backstage part forming up behind this uh, sinister figure uh, you can see others. You can see a bulky, sort of roughly spherical, hovering environment suit with Bright. a small window in the front through which you can just see some, uh, like, buzzing motes of something dark. 
mm. uh, floating behind Flycatcher. And behind that, you can see a pair of old ladies, basically, with, <laughs> with, with blue rinses um, that are dressed in a kind of strange patchwork. Like, they're, they're wearing apron pinny type things that a cleaning person might wear. Tabard. That kind of tabard. Uh, but they also... There's an element of the tactical to their clothing as well. Okay. And... Tactical tabards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you can see that they have cargo pockets similar to similar to the, those that have formed on Vicky. Mm. One of them's wearing just horn-rimmed glasses, and the other one's wearing a kind of a headset thing with, like, a holographic display over one eye. Ah. What would you like to do? Right, okay. I think I'm going to try and call up the heist version of myself, mm. and um, if I successfully do that, I'm going to persuade all these people <laughs> that I'm actually... I'm here to help. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, what is it about this situation that calls that version of yourself to mind, that allows well, you to, to f- get a fix on it? I can see through the rift in the distance there's the big tower where there's probably something valuable, which reminds me of Gideon's uh, apartment (laughs) in the Shard, and the fact that there are a lot of people that I need to persuade of something, (laughs) probably uh, not killing me. Fair enough. What's your affinity with this version? So this is plus two. Very nice. Give us a roll. Okay, here we go. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, that is very much me. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, I've got off my muscles. <laughs> <laughs> so, you feel that persona settle very clearly into your mind. You remember every long con, every short con. Uh, you remember all of the, the false identities you've ever used. With a 10+, plus, you can also bring through something beneficial from that... From that storyline. Well, in that case, how about I bring through Gideon's private security force to back me up? <laughs> 100% you can do yeah. that. <laughs> well, in that case, that's what I do. So, emerging around me as reality distorts are a bunch of slightly confused looking people who are equipped with tasers. And flashlights of varying sizes, you know, dressed in the black uniform of uh, billionaire Gideon Gilchrist's private security force. <laughs> yeah, and materialising just behind your right shoulder is a shorter figure, powerfully built, mm-hmm. buzz cut, uh, who you recognise as Vic Van Hoyt, oh, head Vic. of that security yes. force. Sir, do you want us to deal with this threat? Yes, please, Vic. Very much so. (laughs) Subdue or suppress, sir? Uh, Whichever of those is the most violent, please. (laughs) (laughs) Maximum violence, sir. I've got it. Excellent. Thank you, Vic. Uh, As as that happens, I will walk backwards through the gap in the fence that the ship blew up to, um, or or shot open, I should say, to join um, Vicky and Star on the other side. The three of you are now together. You see uh, on the other side of the fence Gideon's slash Chris's security troops start to clash with this ragtag band from the Ferris Theatre and you actually see as they clash around the ragtag band you see reality fraying in the same way as it was around you and you see some of them change you see different kind of weapons and things manifest you see uh, some like one of the old ladies reality frays around her and she just disappears 
and then you see her like pop up behind one of the security people uh, like in a puff of smoke and put them in a sleeper hold (laughs) and so there's there is chaos happening there there is still a blue crystal ship kind of circling coming back around for another strafing run Um, but there's no immediate threats on this side of the fence Uh, what would the three of you like to say slash do uh, should we try and get out of here, champs? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, very wise indeed. I'm not emotionally invested in the fates of the security force, so okay. I think we can leave them here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, should we go and check out those containers over there? Yeah, let's go. Absolutely. You head towards the, the sort of prefab building complex that the uh, blue-clad henchmen came from. As the three of you approach, a loudspeaker from one of the buildings activates, and you hear an unfamiliar voice. We don't have to be on opposite sides here. Just... Calm things down a bit. I'm going to come out alone, unarmed, and we can work out what the best way forward is. I think, I think we might have the same goal. Mm, well, your people actually attacked us first, if you remember. Young We're... person. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's young. <laughs> a door in one of the um, buildings opens, and there is another blue clad, blue jumpsuit-clad figure in the doorway. Hands up, helmet off. Uh, it's an older woman, short cropped grey hair, lined face, uh, a scar over one cheek, and she tentatively steps out over the threshold of the building. It's not their fault. We're all on high alert here. That lot over the other side of the fence have been interfering in our business. They just thought that you were with them. You're exhibiting, let's face it, similar abilities. But I, I've scanned you from in there and I think I know the situation. How do we know we can trust you? I'm Errol's boss. You know Errol, right? Oh, Oh, we know Errol. Yeah. We should trust you, should we? (laughs) It's not instilling a huge amount of confidence, but okay. Right, what is your goal then? Tell us your goal and we'll see if it does align with ours. We want to fix this, and she gestures at the sea of tattered islands of reality. Those folks in there, she points through the curtain, are responsible for this. They've got the power to fix it. We want to make them do that. Okay. Hmm. Fix it into what? Uh, That is a question to be solved, but something needs to be done. Or when all of those islands finally part, when all the threads break the whole of this reality is just going to fly apart under its own momentum and nobody is going to survive. Millions of lives and millions of versions of those lives, all gone. We just want to prevent that. So why are you sat in your hut rather than through the rift sorting things out? Why did we do that? You seem to be well equipped. Why don't you go and do that? Here's my problem. I don't want to go through that rift, through that curtain, into dangers unknown with that lot over there still potentially behind us, causing trouble. When I go through there with my team, I want to know that I only have to deal with what's in front of me, not what's behind. Fair enough. Right, okay. Uh, so what what would you want from us to help you then? Potentially an alliance. You could join us on the expedition and we can all go through. Potentially you could help us by... I mean, you're, you're already doing as a solid by tying up that lot for however long it's going to take them to chew through all of those folks. 
Basically, no, I just don't know if we should trust you. No. Look, my only goal is to is for you not to interfere with what I'm doing. <coughs> right. I can I can pierce through Lion's confusion or mystery. I'd like to have a go to see whether this person's telling the truth and whether we should trust them considering with what we think we have to do, whether our, our paths do align. So I'd like to pierce the veil. I could see an argument for alien or calculating for this. Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Plus two. <laughs> So I'm going to reroll that one so we get something better than a six. So that's eight, ten. Hey, full success. Um, cool. Uh, ask two questions. This this is not stuff you're asking in character. This no. is something I want to out know. of game asking, and I will answer truthfully about her motivations. Oh, what do you want to know? I mean, will it actually be beneficial to mm. for us to help? Oh, How do we know so which thoughts. side is objectively correct? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> objectively and morally. Yes. What's yes. the ethical thing? We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> We're a space wizard, a spy, and a combat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And what are we gonna... thinking about yeah, that? Okay. Is there a bar for us to walk <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I had that exact thought. I was like, a space wizard, a spy, we... and a combat. What are we going to find on the other side, I think, is what mm-hmm. we want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does she... How did she expect us mm-hmm. to fix a problem when she seems to know all about it? Why is she getting us to do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could deal with the moons. Mm-hmm. So why yeah. why are we why is it up to us to do that? Okay. That's something we'd like to know. So so second question, you can tell from the way that she's talking, she's not bothered about getting your help. She's pretty sure she can handle this. She's got a particular plan and she she just wants that plan to go off without complications. And at the moment, you and the people the other side of the fence are presenting her with complications she would rather not have. Fine. So it's not that she necessarily thinks that you can help. It's just that she wants to persuade you to not get in her way. Uh, and then the other question was, what, what are you going to find yeah. on the other side? trying to think how you would kind of determine that from like getting a read on her this is kind of a psychic thing, yeah it's it? my sage a bit yeah. Of, yeah. yeah okay you kind of pierce into her memory sure and it becomes clear to you that she she has entered that realm before and when she did she perceived it as a great endless temple-like hall lined with chattering looms but you also understand that she was aware that that was like her mental interpretation of the place and that actually it's kind of quote unquote real appearance is kind of malleable and dependent on the observer. You you learn that it is a, a space outside space, a time outside time. It's almost like uh, it would be like going into the source code of the universe oh. or, or of the whole multiverse. Um, I sort of snap out of my stupor <laughs> and go, yeah, so I think we can at least trust her not to betray us. We're going to see some weird things on the other side, though, folks. Mm. Okay. Maybe not as weird as we've seen in other places, <laughs> but <laughs> some pretty weird things are going to be seen. Uh, yes, okay. Yes, we'll, we'll have a little step through this gap, if you two are up for it, of course. Yeah. Well, how do we know these, these guys here that we're talking to, how do we know that they're... The good guys. What, how, how, what about if we go through the rift and join whoever they are over there? I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we should go through the rift. Yeah. Should we step through a rift? Not, not the first time I've done this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for, first of all, first of all, why would you want to join with the people who are responsible for tearing your reality apart? Depressingly, not the first time that's happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, we're surprisingly used to this. <laughs> but how do we know they're not going to make something better? They've had every opportunity to make something better, and this is the result. 
I don't like frayed edges, that's for sure. <laughs> nice, neat lines. Maybe they just need uh, some more help. Mm. Okay. And, and, and on your other point about whether we're, we're on the same side, Errol recruited you as part of this same effort. We were all working on different theories of who would be best be able to cope with this situation when it inevitably arose. Errol had this cockamamie scheme about theatre people <laughs> being able to multi-roll. So I let him I let him run with that. And that was a mistake. I mean, I, I mean, it seems to have gone all right. I'm not sure why you all have the word Chris written on your foreheads. <laughs> I'm pretty worried about that, if I'm honest. But, yeah. but, you know, I mean, you've caused some chaos here, but you, you, are all seem, you do all seem to be functioning. So I guess his theory had something to it. I chose a slightly more um, reliable uh, theory, that I have a I have a fighting fit force mustering in these buildings of uh, soldiers from many realities. So that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> theatre, theatre people. Oh, right. I don't really feel so special now. <laughs> they're, they're training in in every life that they've been a soldier means that they they they've been broken down to their base elements, their personalities uh, sanded over. They're perfect for this for this kind of. Reality nice. blending. That does sound like a pretty sensible plan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well... Oh, let's get the actors involved in the trained army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if, we, if we were going to help, and I'm not saying that we definitely are, what would be most useful for us to do? Not get in our way. You just want us to we're gonna go take in a hike. There. We're going to go in there, and we are going to show those beings in there who've been playing with all of your lives, uh, that we're not to be trifled with, and we're going to get what we need from them by hook or by crook. If these people are recreating the, the universe, seemingly, wouldn't they know that we're coming? Wouldn't they be making this world in which they know that you're about to go and attack them or change their point of view? Are you not just walking into a death trap, potentially? You can see that that has not occurred to her before. Oh, dear. This is why you bring mystic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that uh, seems obvious to me also. Like, thinking outside the box here, you know? Well, that's why we have to strike immediately. And and we need to suppress all of whatever is whatever they're planning over there before we can go through so we can concentrate on a concentrated strike. Not so hasty, <laughs> Master Hobbit. <Yeah. laughs> you, you want to hand out some advice? Oh, I can give you some advice, but uh, it won't help me in this situation. <laughs> I think I'm maxed out. Um, well, you know, I feel like um, we could we could be helpful here. We could, if we nothing could... else, we could mediate. Yeah. I have a question. With our different personalities that we can sort of sense and feel our past lives, but they be available to us when we step through that rift, or is it only in this universe that we would... Absolutely, yes. Yes, those are your experiences. No one can take those away from you. Can you take a couple away? This <laughs> 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 horrible man who I once was. <laughs> Slimy character. Uh, okay. Right, okay, well. well you know, should we step through first? Let, let you finish off your training and we'll go and have a little chit-chat. You're welcome to try. The, that lot over there, I'm almost certain, are going to try and stop you. Okay. But yes, if you can do that, actually, that's a way you can help us. You try and go through first, and we'll assess what they do in response, and then we'll we'll have a response to that. I'm prepared to give it a whirl because I really throw myself headfirst into everything at this point. I have got one piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind me just saying, 
Um, your little men who are training, they might be a little bit too rigid for this line of work. Be a bit more flexible. Yoga. <laughs> Yoga. <laughs> Yoga their minds. Because I have a nasty feeling if you send in a load of robots, they might not do too well. Just a thought. Hmm? I need people who are going to follow orders. Maybe that's your problem. Yes. Never well. been my strong suit. Like, well... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is why I didn't want him. this. I didn't think he'd succeed. Well, anyway, I'm going to go back to formulating my plan. You do what you like. Just don't get in our way. Okay. Um, is is Errol around? He's not with you. No. No. Oh well, then who knows what's happened to him? Oh dear. Okay, fine. Well, you know. He's not that useful anyway. Okay then, let's go. Absolutely, let's take a hike. Oh god. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Merely Role Players. In this season, you'll hear Ellie Pitkin, Alex Pankhurst, Josh Yard and Dave, Chris Starkey, Chris Buxy and Chris, Helen Stratton, Ellen Gould, Natalie Winter and Strat, all playing various versions of themselves, along with special guest appearances by Ellie Pitkin as Nia and the Space Jam Continuum podcast's Chris McLennan as Candice. I'm Matt, and I edited and produced the season, wrote and performed the theme music, and designed and ran the game we're playing. Like most of our games, this one's powered by the apocalypse. You can find more games in this genre at apocalypse-world.com pbta. If you enjoy Merely Roleplayers, let us know with a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you do your listening. You can also find us on Twitter at Merely Roleplay, at facebook.com slash Merely Roleplayers, and at merelyroleplayers.com. Merely Roleplayers is an independent production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Join us for more drama next episode.